at WFBT, the Big Talker FM, while you navigate the Apple iStore for your iPhone and the Google Play Store for your Android. Pete Callender from the western part of the state joins us. We're connecting the mountains to the coast uh, like no one else does here in North Carolina. Pete, it's a pleasure, my friend. I hope all is well on your end of the state here in North Carolina. Yeah, all is well. I hope you are as well. Yes, enjoying uh, this uh, beautiful weather, the spring, the summer, the pollen, or I can uh, leave without it, but uh, <laughs> it's part of where we live in this beautiful place uh, uh, that we call home. Uh, yesterday, uh, Pete, we had an announcement by our former governor out in Charlotte, apparently a very popular uh, talk radio host, uh, WBT. He makes the announcement that he's going to toss his hat in the race, along with a few others on the Republican side already. Can you go back in time and tell us what went wrong with uh, Governor McCrory's re-election campaign? <laughs> of course, Governor Cooper takes it over. And you know why, he, you know, in your mind, he decided to jump back into this race in that it'll be a crowded field. And in that, uh, Senator Byrne, not the most popular figure, of course, as he you know, retires and goes in the sunset, among you know many on the right these days. Yeah. Uh, so, yeah, there's a lot of dynamics at play uh, with McCrory, but also uh, with the Republican Party and these two, uh, this division that is in the party. Uh, and I, I don't have, you know, uh, for lack of better terms, I call one grassroots, I call one establishment, although I don't think that's particularly fair to, you know, people that make up both of those groups groups because there are establishment people who do grassroots, you know, work. Um, but the grassroots folks seem to be, you know, way more pro-Trump kind of uh, uh, Republicans, and they're not fans of the, you know, the establishment, quote unquote. Uh, and McCrory is perceived to be of that uh, camp. And Mark Walker, for example, is not. And uh, McCrory was, you know, he's a very popular mayor. I was actually a reporter uh, for WBT down in Charlotte for about a, a decade and uh, when he was mayor down there. And uh, so he was a very popular mayor. He was elected seven times, 14 years. Nobody has ever matched that, uh, that kind of uh, performance. And uh, he then parlayed that into a run for governor, which he was not successful. He lost, remember, to Bev Perdue, but that was the year that uh, Barack Obama was running and, uh, you know, he he makes the argument that, uh, you know, North Carolina went for Obama and uh, that was Obama's coattails, why McCrory was not able to beat Bev Perdue. Then Perdue announces after, you know, the, towards the end of her first term, she's not going to run for reelection. She was very unpopular and she decides not to run again, but she does it at the very uh, last minute, and it prompts this scramble. And there was uh, the l former lieutenant governor, Walter Dalton, who famously, I put that in air quotes, <laughs> ran, ran a campaign that was called Who's Walter Dalton? Because nobody knew who the guy was. And it was literally people asking who every time he said his name and he would say it again. I mean, for you know advertising purposes, I guess it kind of worked a little bit because I remember the ad, but nobody remembered to vote for him. McCrory wins. Uh, and then uh, you've got the Republicans with a super majority in the legislature. They start running a lot of bills that are agitating uh, a lot of the left. And McCrory was perceived to be because of his time as mayor. He was more of a moderate Republican, more of a business friendly Republican. Uh, and now you've got the legislature passing bills like the bathroom bill, HB2, and uh, it stirs up a lot of the social cultural uh uh, strife and McCrory then uh, is tagged as this, you know, right wing extremist uh, on the bathroom bill. And then, of course, there was the toll road 
uh, project down in North Mecklenburg, uh, where these uh, the local towns down there said, yeah, we'll we'll do this road widening of I-77, the major interstate that runs through there. And they're like, we'll go along with this. Sure, no problem. And they give the toll road project to this Spanish firm. I think it's called Sintra or something. And it had gone bankrupt. They had had problems. And uh, all of a sudden, now a lot of the, the people in that area don't want the road widened via a toll road. They just want it to be free. They start applying pressure to local elected officials who then say, oh, we totally didn't mean to support this. They then demand that McCrory cancel the contract at a cost of, you know, billions of dollars or something to mm. the state. And he does. He, he says, we're, we're not going to do that. That, of course, riles up everybody in North Mecklenburg. They all swing the other direction and vote for Roy Cooper, who is noncommittal on what he will do with that project. But as soon as he wins by like 0.1 percent of the vote, about 10,000 votes out of almost five million cast statewide, he um, Cooper appoints as the head of the DOT the guy who was in charge of that Sintra road widening project, <laughs> sending the message that he's not going to be scrapping that contract anytime soon. And so the folks in North Mecklenburg kind of pat themselves on the back for ousting McCrory. But you got Cooper and you got the toll road. So good job. Because <laughs> if yeah, you look yeah, at... you got to stuck one vote, one issue type thing that impacts you and affects the whole state yeah. now, you know, years later. Yeah, and every other issue that you may have agreed with McCrory on is now gone to you because Cooper disagrees with you on all of those issues. And the swing was uh, was over, if I remember correctly, and this is just from memory, I think it was about 12,000 votes that had swung uh, from McCrory to Cooper in that North Mech area. And so that's that's why we've got Governor Cooper. And uh, and then, of course, you know, he uh, he starts uh, uh, with the covid response and the pandemic and all of that. Um, he 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 then, you know, gets this challenge from Lieutenant Governor Dan Forrest, who, you know, kind of became the anti-mask candidate, which is not and was not a popular position at that time, nor did he really try to explain the science behind why he was opposed to the masks. He just always wanted to kind of ignore it. And I think that hurt him in that race. And uh, Cooper ended up, you know, beating Forrest by a bigger margin than he beat McCrory. So now McCrory's looking at, OK, well, statewide, um, you know, he's he's popular. Uh, he's got good name ID inside the Republican Party. But is he popular enough? And is he able to get votes from uh, moderate Democrats, you know, middle of the road, unaffiliated types of people because of the baggage of his first term and that HB2 uh, 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 debate about the transgender bathrooms? Well, when we go to HB two, uh, yeah, and, uh, he did not necessarily, you know, as a, you know, all the corporations started to pull out, and you're hearing all this news across the country because it made national news. Yep. You know, just a thought on the HB two, you know, biologically, whichever parts you have, uh, to me, would be the bathroom that you use, no matter what you dress up in or you know what you perceive yourself to be. That's just from from my perspective, of course. And yeah. I, I didn't know it got muddied up, and you never really actually knew what the hell HB two was. Uh, right. Just that it was bad, and corporations were pulling business out of the state. So a couple things happened. Cooper, according to the Wall Street Journal, uh, Wall Street Journal, Cooper, as Attorney General, made a call to a company called Salesforce, which is this uh, is run by a left wing activist type guy, uh, CEO who then started uh, making phone calls to other businesses, essentially whipping up a boycott fervor against the state. And uh, this is why I've said for years is one of the reasons that I've said that Roy Cooper will uh, he will harm citizens if it advances his political fortunes. And th that's what he did. And then when the Republican legislature tried to enact a, quote, fix of HB2 and they were getting Democrats to sign on to this, uh, Cooper 
told them that if he wins the governorship, that any Democrat that works with the Republicans on fixing HB2 before the election would have no role in his administration. Mm. So he pressured them not to, quote, fix the bill. Um, now, now we're having another fight. This is uh, this week in the legislature. Yesterday, they started debating this bill that would, it's called the Save Women's Sports Act, uh, which would uh, uh, prohibit uh, you know, middle school, high school and college level athletic teams that are female uh, from admitting biological males onto those teams. And of course, just like we saw with the bathroom bill, it's now framed as anti-trans versus pro-women. Right. Because that's what the argument is. Uh, one of the speakers at the hearing yesterday uh, was Evie Edwards, uh, an Olympian, I believe, from Asheville, who uh, she's a Democrat. She's pro-choice. She's a liberal. She's like, I am here, though, in support of this bill, because uh, this is such a, an important thing to keep uh, women's sports for women. You're going to end up robbing girls of their ability to compete in sports. And one fellow who spoke made, a, I thought, a pretty decent argument that uh, with the NCAA moving towards paying players, the financial incentives for getting onto teams has now become much greater because if you can get onto a team, sell your image and likeness, be, you know, the best quote unquote in a particular field um, or on a particular sport uh, or team, then yeah, I mean, you're, you, you've got direct financial benefit on the line. And so if you can compete uh, and do better in one category, why wouldn't you? Pete Callender with us. He is host of the Pete Callender Show. You can find uh, his uh, daily podcast at thepetecallendershow.com. He's from the mountains uh, of North Carolina as we connect uh, the mountains to the coast uh, about once a month with uh, Pete, giving us some insight on all the scuttlebutt going on within North Carolina politics and uh, in government. A few things there. Governor Cooper, of course, you know, you hear a lot behind the scenes as to the twisting of the arm, I guess, so to speak. You can say, as far as when Democrats may jump out of line. We saw it with the Born Alive bill and uh, anyone that opposes anything that Governor Cooper wants to put forward. You know, we're going to introduce you to your primary candidate. Uh, you hear all this sorts of stuff uh, from Governor Cooper, a very sly politician, by the way, as we have uh, come to know. Yeah, a lot of people, uh, they fall for his veneer, right? They fall for the act <laughs> um, that he's just, you know, oh, I'm just an old country lawyer, kind of, uh, you know, sh you know, kind of schmaltzy. Uh, you know, down home kind of, you know, he's got the accent and it's a, a slow, thick, syrupy drawl. And uh, and he's got that kind of permanent smile and the the the, the furrowed brow uh, looking, you know, uh, he looks he looks approachable. He looks like a harmless old guy, but he's the he's the the latest avatar of the Democratic political machine. That's been running the state for decades. So uh, he, he, he was the because the Democratic Party, you know, since Reconstruction, they were the ones that passed all the Jim Crow laws and such. And they, you know, overthrew the duly elected government of Wilmington, the, the fusion of the, uh, you know, uh, Republicans and black voters. They they were run out, lynched and their businesses torched and such, um, you know, fomented and whipped up by the News and Observer, the newspaper and such. Um, and so they finally, by the way, did get an apology for, for that. It took about 100 years, but the News and Observer finally did apologize for their role in that. Uh, and uh, and so did the legislature, which was under Republican control when they 
did finally acknowledge that. So uh, this is the political machine, and it has its roots. It goes back to you know Jim Hunt uh, and you know Jim uh, Jim Black and Mark Basnight, Tony Rand. Right, these were the the kingmakers of the state, and uh, that machine. There was always this sort of you know line of succession from governor to uh, attorney general or lieutenant governor. Right, you worked your way into these council of state races from the legislature, and then from there, you know you would get. Uh, you would be able to move up the the uh, the ranks, so to speak. And Cooper is the he is the standard bearer of that machine. So people who think that he's just you know out to lunch on this stuff, uh, I I think they make a very big political miscalculation on that. And uh, with that said, it's almost like in your description of uh, our esteemed governor uh, that if you were to put together a Hollywood script, uh, that's exactly what you would picture as uh, you know, <laughs> the actor being in Governor Cooper. Though I think Will Ferrell played a pretty good Cal Cunningham uh, in the campaign, <laughs> that movie from uh, uh, years ago, in, in the way in which uh, he went about his business and all the other stuff that he did uh, while running for office and as a congressman. Nonetheless, uh, uh, Pete... Uh, Back to McCrory and, uh, you know, all right, we'll knock him down before we build him back up, I guess, because uh, that's uh, what the good coaches do in that uh, you know, after he was elected, uh, many of those, uh, you know, grassroots types, because remember, this was in the, the Tea Party kind of movement back yep. in 2010 that uh, brought Republicans into control of the state general assembly for the first time you know, in 120 years. Uh, that a lot of those uh, you know, Tea Party grassroots folks felt that they were left behind and left out of the party of the North Carolina GOP and within the McCrory administration. You know, once uh, he used them uh, to, that's how they feel, that he used them to get elected as governor. And then, you know, they had little part in the you know, buildup of uh, the GOP after that. Yeah. And to some extent, that's always the case. There are people that think, yes, we won. So now we should get everything we want. I mean, look across the aisle at the national level. Right. I mean, you've got Democrats and the the far left uh, part of their base, you know, making all of these demands that are not popular, you know, in the general public. And they're 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 acting as if they've got some sort of super majority when they have a 50 50 Senate tie and six votes uh, majority in the house right but still they're they're going to push as far left as they can um and i think a lot of people expected the same from mccrory um and you know and he has and he actually says this you know that he has you know quote stepped on everybody's toes he's angered folks on the right and the left and he says that that shows that he's an independent type of uh, a thinker and a politician and that you know he's not just going to go along with whatever the party tells him to do now the folks on the left would say that's a lie. He does go along <laughs> with whatever the party tells him to do. So, um, but I do think though that like, look, I've I've known the guy now for twenty something years. He is um, he is amiable. He's affable. He'll come up. He will you know pat you on the back, shake your hand, and he'll get real close to you in your personal space, but like in a warm kind of. Um, uh, endearing way. So he's very good at that kind of retail politics. People, when they're around him and they talk with him, uh, they usually have a good impression of him. So can he overcome the negative from, the, you know, the last term? I don't know. Uh, I think he's built maybe a little bit more goodwill down in the Charlotte area because of that radio show, right? Like that that helped build him back up again where, uh, where he's from. So that might help him with some of those Republicans. But um he does go into the race with, you know, with a lead 
unless, of course, Laura Trump gets in. <laughs> and if, mm. if Laura Trump gets in, then uh, she would apparently be the front runner. A lot of people like her. So and now you've got also rumors that Lieutenant Governor Mark Robinson might be getting in, that he mm. apparently there were sources that told the Carolina Journal that he had put out uh, some polling and he had made some phone calls, which uh, my view on that is probably just not a good look to be you know newly elected and then looking for another seat to run for. Um, I don't think people appreciate that so much. I understand like people love him very much as an elected official and for the speech that he gave at that uh, city council meeting in Greensboro like five years ago, but um, and, and people want him to succeed. But I don't think it sends a good message to say, hey, thanks for electing me. Now I'm going to look for another seat to occupy. Um we have a, there was a local city councilman in Asheville that did that. As soon as he got onto city council, he tried to run for county commission and then he tried to run for mm. uh, Congress. And uh, he just last election got voted out. So uh, mm. I, I think people will see that sort of stuff. Well, and to build uh, Mr. McCrory back up, our former governor, you know, he helped uh, spearhead this massive turnaround in the Tar Heel state from an economic uh, attack standpoint. And you know, with the legislature's assistance uh, with the Republican supermajority and then now a majority uh, that he you know led that uh, uh, way, and he can boast that, of course, yep. as part of his resume in this big North Carolina uh, comeback. Uh, no doubt, should be a fun uh, election season that's already heating up uh, <laughs> a, a year and a half away from uh, Senator Richard Burr's retirement, and of course uh, the 2022 midterms. Uh, but that dominated a lot of the Republican news, and I love all of these theories out there. Well, this guy's going to jump in and try and take votes away from that guy, and uh, you know it's a big. Uh, twist and turning of uh, Attilus McCrory machine trying to reestablish the establishment in North Carolina uh, over the Trump uh, portion of the party. Mm -hmm. You gotta love uh, uh, the political banter, uh, particularly within the <laughs> NCGOP and, and within the Republican Party as a whole. They can never seem to you know, get an all in line uh, like Democrats do, uh, with the exception of maybe a few here and there. Well, now, it's funny because the Democrats would say the same thing about the Republicans. I've, I've often noted over the years how both uh, camps, both parties, seem to believe that the other one is way more organized and ruthless and effective, you know, when they get power and such. Uh, it, it, they both think the that of their opponents. They both see themselves as, you know, herding cats and all these different people with groups and arguments and all of that. Um, so I, I'd probably say... Yes, that's the case for both parties to some degree. Um, but in when you're in the minority party, it's a lot easier to be unified against the majority party, right? Because you're trying to stop uh, them from doing whatever they're doing. And as the minority party, you can't effectively govern. You're just trying to block. So it, it does have a unifying um component there when you're in the majority now everybody's like well let's do what we want to do and now it becomes more of an active thing right and now you're on offense and now you start seeing where those divisions are it's one of the downsides of you know having a quote big tent party though pete let me ask you before i let you go i call part of your podcast from the other day surrounding this supposed meeting that took place this past weekend with all these major ceos in trying to you know punish uh, the states that are moving forward with election reform laws after you know a lot of controversy in 2020, uh, because in large part in a lot of swing states, including here in North Carolina, there was an all-out effort to change the laws without the consent of the lawmakers. The courts uh, uh, did not want to hear any of these arguments, uh, whether they were presented properly or not, maybe remains to be seen, and we'll never know about it. Uh, but uh, for the most part, we saw election laws 
changed and loosened or whatever yeah. uh, without the consent of lawmakers. That's the purpose of what we call the legislative body of government. Uh, lawmakers uh, are responsible for making the laws. Uh, but when did it become uh, you know woke, I guess, for these major CEOs and corporate uh, entities, you know, the evil 1% forever? We were told how the evil 1% is the the main uh, pillar as to why, you know, there are gaps in our country between the rich and uh, everyone else. You know, I guess in fear of being canceled and boycotted and bad public, uh, you know, attention. Is that why these CEOs are now aligning with, uh, you know, many of these, uh, you know, mobs that want to move forward with uh, changing all sorts of things and boycotting other states for wanting to tighten up their election laws? Look, a lot of uh, a lot of these leaders, if they don't, you know, agree, if they don't just outright agree and believe in this, you know, woke anti-racism, critical race theory view of America, uh, if they're not already on board with that, then a lot of them are just cowards. Right. They, and they don't want to risk shareholder value or their jobs uh, or, or the health of the corporation by subjecting themselves to an organized, targeted boycott, you know, pressure campaign against the company that the left has been doing. And look, you know, in talk radio, folks in talk radio, we we recognize this for you know for what it is this has been going on for decades um they target advertisers to try to get them to pull support and now they're just doing it at a much larger level and the democrats are in control right now and so there are a lot of companies and corporations that are very afraid but there is also you know this this disease has infected uh everything from yes the corporate level but also all the way through the schools it's 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 a religion essentially where they're buying indulgences that they're they're getting get out of jail free cards basically all right we'll do our you know our trainings that you know tell all of our white workers that they're inherently racist and there's nothing they can ever do to get over that racism uh and then i'll get the little certificate that i did this for all my workers and then i'll post it on the website and you know like a smear of blood over the doorway uh the mob shall pass me by and we'll be okay it's a it's a protection racket is what it is and And uh, the sooner we have pushback from leaders in those areas, in those businesses, then the sooner it it breaks this fever. Uh, Unfortunately, I don't see a lot of them stepping up to that. And honestly, at this point, if they're going to cast their lot with the Democrats and they're going to act in a partisan way like this, then... um, Okay, let's stop. Let's stop giving them tax breaks. Next time Democrats say, let's raise the corporate tax rate, uh, Republicans should say, well, why not double it? You know, triple it, Mm -hmm. whatever it is you're proposing. Let's go twice as hard at them. Let's let's remove the, uh, you know, monopoly uh, exemptions for Major League Baseball. Right. Like if you want to get involved in politics, this is what it looks like. You're now Mm -hmm. going to be, you know, deprived of the things that you got from friendly lawmakers that now are no longer your friends because you've picked fights with them. Yeah, oftentimes, you know, hardball is played in politics, and yeah. uh, you want to get into this realm, uh, you know, you may have to deal with some of the consequences of those decisions. Uh, that means, uh, you know, these cushy breaks and subsidies and all these things may uh, go away one day. We'll see uh, if anyone is actually held accountable for you know, moving in this direction, uh, you know, big business. And big business, government getting together, it can't end up uh, good for the American people. There's no question about that. As I let you go, Pete, sorry, uh, but since you're in the western part of the state, you know, I'm always uh, enthralled with uh, elected officials and their personalities and the way in which uh, they go about their business once they're elected. And you have one young congressman out your way. His name is Madison Cawthorn. And uh, having uh, been towards your region of the state uh, last fall during the, the build up to the campaign, I mean, you know, my wife, uh, my uh, uh, cousin, uh, uh, her friend, they're all gushing at the campaign. They can't uh, believe, you know, the 
how good looking this man mm-hmm. is. Uh, yet you're here all of the terror stories about uh, you know him in Washington D.C. right now. Uh, what's your view on uh, the congressman out towards the western part of the state? What the youngest member of Congress? I he believe. is. He is, and I and I I think that that is a big part of why uh, people are, they love him or they hate him, and uh, and why he makes some of the mistakes that he makes. He is. 25 <laughs> and uh he's going to make mistakes as i did as everyone does when they're younger right yeah. um and uh i i do wonder at some of the approaches that they take on some issues but uh i'm also not a gen z or millennial so i'm you know i, I don't know if that's a particularly appealing uh pitch to younger folks like that i don't think it is to a lot of older folks he's he's already drawn uh a challenge from a Nashville Republican named Wendy Navarez, who was a former uh, E6 in the United States Navy. Uh, and uh, so she's going to run against him in the primary. There are rumors that uh, the state senator, Chuck Edwards, might also throw his uh, what his name in the hat. And then the hat goes in the ring. I think that's how that goes. Anyway, he <laughs> he's going to run uh, or that's the rumor. So he's and maybe there's a former sheriff that he's been rumored to be uh, be looking at it as well. So there are people in the Republican Party that have not been impressed with Madison Cawthorn's performance so far, and uh, he may that may get him a primary challenge from several people. Pete Callender with us here this morning. Uh, great connection with uh, the mountains uh, here on the coast. Uh, the Pete Callender Show, uh, a daily podcast covering all sorts of issues uh, from a North Carolina perspective out in the western part of the state. Pete, it's always a pleasure, my man. Good stuff here this morning. Thanks, Joe. Always a pleasure. I appreciate it. It's the PeteCalendarShow.com if you want to hear more from Pete on a daily basis uh, in engaging in all of the news and issues uh, surrounding the state of North Carolina and around the nation. We've hit the bottom of the hour. Great to have Pete as a friend of the